Okay, today my guest is Professor Carl Somon. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with him in the next 30 minutes or so. We'll talk about Carl as a person. Professor Somon is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of his accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Somon is an AIB fellow, a resident senior fellow at, uh, at the Columbia Center for Sustainable Investment and an honorary fellow at the European International Business Academy. His work is mainly related to FTI and the regulatory framework governing it. He has launched a yearbook on international investment law and policy, the Columbia FTI perspectives, the Columbia FTI profiles, the annual international investment conference, the Journal of Transnational Corporations, Investment Law and Policy Speaker Series, the Emerging Markets Global Players Project. He was also the co-director of the Millennium Cities Initiative at the Earth Institute, responsible for helping African cities attract investment. Carl was the director of UNCTAD's investment division. He created the annual World Investment Report, of which he was the lead author until 2004. And together with John Dunning, Carl edited the 20-volume Library on Transnational Corporations. He is associated with a great number of UN publications on FTI over his three decades of service in the UN. Uh, thank you, Carl, for joining us. Thank you, Ilgas, for inviting me. Uh, first question, uh, what did you want to become when you were a child? Well, I guess my strongest desire was to go into to politics. So in high school in Germany, actually in, in Germany, it's a gymnasium. Uh, I was responsible at one point for organizing political activities and the framework of uh, high school student association. And at one point, actually there is, I was also in charge of uh, pol po policy matters in the framework of a association of high schools in Hanover, the city in which uh, I lived. And that involved anything from organizing speaking uh, events, speaker series, uh, demonstrations. Uh, for example, uh, we had a big demonstration on occasion of, I think it was the fifth anniversary of uh, the building of the wall between East and uh, West uh, Berlin. Um, so it was a pretty active time uh, for me at that time. And how did you get into uh, uh, academia, international business, uh, and UN? How, how, how did you progress into UN? Well, I, I, did, I wouldn't really describe myself as an international business scholar. My interest focused on, on multinational enterprises when um, at the University of Pennsylvania, I was a student of, of Howard Perlmutter. My degree is actually in international relations. And my work focuses on multinational enterprises and foreign direct investment, but looking at it from a political economy development perspective and from an international investment law perspective. And I think my 30 plus years of career uh, at the United Nations 
United Nations reinforced this orientation because at the United Nations, in the framework of the United Nations Center on Transnational Corporations, which was created way back in, in 1974, um, we actually focused very much on research, very much academic, if you wish, technical assistance and consensus building. Consensus building meant, for instance, work on United Nations Code of Conduct um, on uh, transnational corporations as multinationals are being called or were called in the, in the United Nations. Um, so it was this interaction of, um, of um, you know, international business impact on host country governments that has been sort of the focus of my work. Uh, something that is not on your CV that people might find interesting. <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 was, I was an avid stamp collector in my youth. Uh, I even belonged to a club uh, where we met basically every Sunday morning to exchange stamps and you know, do whatever you do in a, in a stamp collector uh, club. I collected first day letters, very much so, uh, of the United Nations. And well, that was long ago. Now I still have that stamp collection and I'm just thinking what I'm going to do with it because I have somewhat lost my interest in this particular hobby. Uh Regrets. Have you got any regrets in life? Say it again. Regrets. Uh, something that you wish you would have done, but you didn't. Oh, yes. Mm. Well, in 1993, I mentioned that uh, I was involved actually in the establishment of the United Nations Center on Transnational Corporations, not as an active player, but I was in the nucleus of that center. Now, that center was transferred in 1993 to Geneva, to the United Nations in Geneva, and it became part of UNCTAD, the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development. Now, and I lived actually on the French side um, of uh, the border. Uh, it was easier to commute actually to, to the UN. And I lived there for 12 years, from 1993 to 2005. But I never learned French. I also, I should say, I never learned Portuguese, although my wife is Brazilian. So these are, I think, two big missed opportunities. And I have some regret that I didn't take them. Uh, what did you learn from your biggest failure? Hmm. Well, you may recall the, great, the, the big excitement uh, when Gorbachev took over in the Soviet Union and then in 1991, when the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, we had great plans at that point in the UN Center on Transnational Corporations to help the new Russian government 
on issues related to multinational enterprises. And we actually had some link because one of the eminent persons who was involved in the creation of the UN Center on Transnational Corporations was Ivan Ivanov. And he was actually at the end of the Gorbachev area, or was it at the beginning of Yeltsin? I don't quite remember. He was in charge of, he was, I think, uh, minister. Uh, and in charge of the joint venture law. And we tried to help him to put something together. And I still remember when I was in his office, which was a huge room, and he showed me a box in the corner where a whole bunch of materials which we had sent him um, were located. Uh, and we also helped very much trying to reform the accounting system. A colleague of mine, Lorraine Ruffing, was very much involved in that. So that was all, were all little things, but we also had a big, big project in mind in, in encompassing all the issues relating to foreign direct investment and that ought to be paid attention to, uh, but it never materialized. That was very disappointing. Mm -hmm. But the lesson was, you know, don't give up. If you think you have a good idea, pursue it. Um. What are you most proud of? Hmm. Apart from my various professional accomplishments, like, as you mentioned, creating the World Investment Report, um, I also initiated uh, an activity to help uh, developing countries negotiate better investment contracts, which resulted in the Connex Support Unit. And I also managed to to get the ideas of an advisory center on international investment law and an international investment framework agreement, uh, an investment facilitation agreement on the WTO agenda. I think I'm most proud of helping young people advance and develop some skills that they will need during their careers. And I can do that, especially now, uh, in the context of a seminar at Columbia Law School that I teach, that includes uh, making clear presentations, leading discussions, participating effectively in debates, and also very much so to encourage them to publish. And I guess that reflects my own experience because I got hired by the UN because I had published. So I try to work at least in each semester with one student to get that student to publish something. Hmm. About research, um, say you're stranded in a small village, uh, locals don't know who you are, uh, you know, people are curious. How do you explain what you, do, what you did, uh, how, what you do, why your work is important? How do you explain yourself to people who don't know uh, you personally, professionally? Uh, who don't read your work? I guess I would explain why multinational enterprises and the interaction between multinational enterprises and governments is important. After all, multinational enterprises are main actors in the international economy. And at the same time, governments are the ones that set the framework. So 
and of course for governments, foreign direct investment undertaken by multinational enterprises is just a tool, a tool to advance their development. Um, so the interaction between them is very important from a developing or from a country point of view and from from my perspective country point of view always means developing country point of view which i guess again reflects my background in the united nations from a developing country point of view the issue is not only to attract foreign direct investment but to get the most out of it and that means you have to overlap you have to to ensure or you have to try to ensure that the overlap between the interest of multinational enterprises and host countries is as large as possible. And that's not always easy because the basic interest of the multinational enterprise is to maximize its competitiveness in a global context, while the interest of a national government is to maximize its well being in a national context. So they are obviously conflicting interests. And the issue is, how can you, from a country point of view, how can you maximize, therefore, um, the benefits that you can derive um, from the foreign direct investment that you can, that you get, mm -hmm. uh, apart from, of course, trying to attract as much investment as possible so that you can maximize your overlap. Carl, uh, uh, about things that we have omitted or neglected or we uh, didn't experience as often as now. Uh, things, what do you think about the increased tendencies for nationalism, uh, isolationist policies, uh, populism? Uh, how, how is that going to impact uh, the work that you've done or the uh, field, the research field? that IV is facing, international relations, political sciences uh, are facing. How are these going to impact? Well, I, I think the, the, the a good part, not a good part, most of the research in international business, as I can see it, at least that's my impression, very much focuses on the multinational enterprise itself, how it is organized, how it operates, how it is being managed, the, uh, looking at the, at the phenomenon from the multinational enterprise perspective. Um, I think it's very important uh, for, for us who are doing work on these issues uh, to keep in mind that after all multinational enterprises operate in a broader context. And this broader context is, cannot be taken for granted. Um, in fact, it can, it influences obviously what multinational enterprises can do. Um, and of course it also determines to a certain extent uh, the impact they have. And I guess in this context, it is important that uh, we address uh, the questions of, and again, I'm looking at it from the perspective of governments. We, we address policy issues uh, that um, in, in particular solution-oriented policies that can help governments uh, to deal with multinational enterprises. And in that context, you know, the whole 
the, 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 the mood, I should say, in the international, in, in international relations concerning foreign direct investment seems to be shifting a little bit in the direction that governments are becoming more restrictive as far as inward foreign direct investment is concerned, but also as far as outward investment is concerned. If you look, for instance, at the United States, uh, where encouraging outward investment is a problematic uh, issue. So I think it is very important to keep in mind that uh, indeed foreign direct investment is something that countries need and are eager to attract, but we have to make sure that uh, countries um, do get their share of benefits that they expect from foreign direct investment. And I think that is, by the way, another uh, aspect which I think needs more attention. In the past, we have looked primarily at this issue from the perspective of host countries, namely how host countries can benefit uh, from foreign direct investment. But I guess we also have to look at increasingly from home countries, uh, from the home country perspective. Uh, because after all, to a certain extent, multinational enterprises, at least the big ones, are working, if you wish, above both home and host countries, and their interests not necessarily all, always overlap fully with the interests of home countries. Uh, what would your advice be to young scholars or junior faculty who are looking into next trying to predict what's going to happen in the next five to 10 years. Uh, Advice in terms of? Big questions, big research questions, big uh, contexts uh, that are going to impact next 10 years. I think the important, question, con uh, the important questions continue to be, of course, uh, climate change um, and, and development. Climate change, I think, is an issue that we haven't really addressed very much in the context of IB research. Also, of course, work is, is, is starting on that. Uh, on development, it's a longstanding question. Uh, and it's part of the broader question which you mentioned earlier of globalization um, and how we can manage globalization in a manner that leads to responsible globalization, uh, which means, you know, that benefits associated with it are uh, distributed in a fair manner, whatever fair means, uh, because obviously that is related to question of inequalities between countries or among countries and within countries. So my, my advice would be Uh, focus on issues that have to do with climate change and what role foreign direct investment can play in this respect. It's, of course, not a central role, but it can play a role, but also focus on issues related to development. Development in terms of income inequality, uh, wealth inequality, these are things. Okay. Um, about The evolution of the fields, uh, I mean, international relations obviously is an integral part of uh, IB. Uh, 
Uh, what can you say about the culture of IB scholarship? Um, how did it evolve over time? Uh, where, where are we going to, to, to figure out where we were uh, and where, where are we going to end up? What's your prediction? Well, I think IB research has clearly become much more international uh, in terms of involving uh, researchers from all over the world. And of course, AIB is a prime example. And I think that's a very good thing. It also, I have the impression, it has become more focused and perhaps too focused. What I mean by too focused is that sometimes I have the impression we focus on uh, issues like, you know, how many angels can dance on the tip of a pin? This may be an interesting question and it may contribute to building a broader picture. But I think we have to keep the broader picture in mind uh, when, um, when looking at the field and the evolution of the field. So I wish that if, um, if in the future people, meaning scholars in IB, would pay more attention to the bigger field, uh, to the bigger picture, that would be uh, very desirable. And I think there are certainly some signs that that is help, uh, happening if you think, for example, of Peter Buckley uh, looking at broader questions, but also others, uh, then I think that's a, that's a very good sign. And I think it should be encouraged. Uh, uh, going through the program and uh, at the beginning of your career, what was the best advice you received? Hmm. I think the best advice I received um, fairly early on was um, try to publish. Um, and, I, and it was good advice. It was actually way back uh, Howard Perlmutter and Bernard Menes, with whom I worked at, um, at, at the University of Pennsylvania. I was their student more precisely. Um, and I think the advice is good because if you publish, uh, you basically become known. And in fact, it was only, if I may share this, it was only because I published that I got my job at the United Nations because at that point, this was in, I think in 72, yeah, in 1972, uh, I published an article together with Bernard Menes in the annals on multinational enterprises. I don't even remember what the topic was, but um, uh, the UN at that point started to work on multinational enterprises. They had of course, absolutely no idea what the subject is all about. Uh, and they looked around and see who could be a consultant to help them in writing the first report of multinational enterprises in the world economy. And they came across my publication. So I literally got a call uh, and, um, and they asked whether I could help them in writing the report. I was responsible basically for for the first chapter in that report, which simply had to document the importance of multinational enterprises. So I have a strong bias and it's an advice which I also would give uh, to other students uh, is to publish, to get known, to get your name out there. And you know, it also doesn't matter so much 
also it matters, uh, of course, to a certain extent, what you publish on. The important thing is that you show that you have the determination, the drive, the ambition to produce something that reaches a certain level of competence so that it can be published. What are some of the mistakes that you see that the junior faculty or young scholars and colleagues uh, usually make? Well, I think um, the uh, a, a mistake, I'm, it's not a question of a mistake, but I would say avoiding not to work with others uh, is, okay, if you want to say it's a mistake, but it's not advisable um, because you can't know everything. And working with others makes you richer. It's also, I think, more interesting. So I think, in other words, to put it positively, cooperating with others, co-authoring articles with others or books or doing projects together is something that should be advised. I would also uh, say, speaking about mistakes, also again, it's, I wouldn't describe it as a mistake, avoiding to forget that your work takes place in a broader context is not advisable because your work is important in a broader context and that broader context actually can affect the very specific things uh, that um, you're doing. And then maybe one more thing, uh, you know, we are all inundated with uh, materials to read. So I guess don't think that everybody is dying to read what you have written. So you have to make it interesting, make it relevant, and keep it short. Uh, Carl, what's the question that I should have asked you about Evans? Well, um, when will you retire from what you're doing? Um, we'll returning here to the personal side of, of uh, the interview. Uh, and note, I didn't say, when will you stop working? And the reason is that I enjoy what I'm doing and hopefully I can still make a little contribution here and there in the future. So is there a date? Uh, <laughs> no dates. No dates, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Carl, thank you so much for your time. I learned a lot. Uh, this was interesting. Uh, um, I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thank you for your time again. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate that. See you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>